Welcome to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast, where we dive into the mindset shifts and practical tools to help you break through the roadblocks standing between you and achieving your goals. I'm your host, Danielle Kobo, a former Fortune 500 senior sales manager who spent 15 years in the medical device industry and now the best-selling author of the book, Unstoppable Grit. Think of this podcast as your go-to source for career advice and burnout prevention strategies to help you build a career and life you love. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dream Job with Danielle Kobo. I am your host, Danielle Kobo, and I'm so excited for you to join today. Today's guest is Dr. Courtney Alston. She graduated with her PhD from the University of Florida College of Journalism and Communication. She received her master's of business administration at Morgan State University and bachelor's in mass communication from Delaware State University. She is a TEDx speaker with her talk, Young Widow's Grief is used to find her purpose. Dr. Courtney was appointed by the former First Lady of the United States, Ms. Rosalind Carter, and the Carter Center to serve on the advisory board of the Carter Center's Rosalind Carter Fellowships for Mental Health Journalism. She also serves as Assistant Professor of Journalism and Mass Communications at North Carolina AT. State University. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Courtney. Danielle, thank you so much for having me here. You are just phenomenal. I'm so excited about being here today. Yes. Well, we've had the opportunity to really enjoy our time together and getting to know each other, but share with us a little bit um, with our audience, a little bit about your career journey and your story, because you definitely have a unique one. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it is a pretty unique story where um, I start off my career as a television reporter um, and made a transition. Actually, I started off my career correction as a radio personality, made a transition to working as a television reporter, and then later made the transition from working as, as a television reporter to a news director running my own news operation um, for NPR member station. Um, and then deciding while I was working as a news director, you know, um, I'm going to go work on my MBA. And so third week on the job, I was working on my MBA, um, which I really loved and valued and treasured because it gave me a chance to share information with my news team to be able to help build and grow and serve as support for them. Uh, Because it's one of the things that I loved about leadership is being a supporter of my team. And then my professors started whispering in my ear, you should get a PhD. And I go, and I'm like, no. Um, and I initially, I, I, I initially said no. As a matter of fact, one of the associate deans back then reminded me, she goes, remember when I was mentioning to you to get a PhD? And, um, and you said, no, you would never do that. And look at you. And I'm like, yeah, now I have one. And, but that just shows how life, you just never know what's going to happen, right? It was something that I didn't plan for, but what happened is that I felt called to do it. And then, um, then after making that transition and within my PhD program, I ended up 
finding what I was, I really feel called to do, which is serving uh, as a happiness scholar. So learning all things positive psychology. So I've made an interesting transition throughout my career from, you know, uh, at seven years old, knowing that I wanted to be a journalist and then clearly um, taking on certain roles in the industry that allowed me to do that from working as a television reporter in various markets all across the country to then being able to really being able to share information with an incredible team of reporters and producers uh, when I served as a news director to now being a happiness scholar, being able to really leverage my PhD um, and also my MBA with sharing positive psychology with the world and how positive psychology can really help you in terms of improving your well-being. Well, you have definitely uh, earned your stripes when it comes to your education and being an expert in happiness. Thank you. You had a life-altering event take place in your mid-20s that changed your life. Will you share with our audience what happened? Absolutely. So in my 20s, when I was working my dream job as a television reporter, um, in Philadelphia. So here I am in a major market. I, prior to that, I was working as a reporter in Midland, Texas. And, um, I was really grateful and excited that I went from a small market all the way up to market number four. And because it allowed me to be with my, uh, fiance at the time, um, and, uh, which was an exciting experience because he was a guy who, who actually drove me 1,800 miles from New Jersey to Midland, Texas, to move me into uh, my apartment there uh, when I was working as a television reporter for my first job uh, uh, for NBC affiliate station. Well, to make a very long story short, excited that I made the transition, um, you know, uh, working in a major market to be close to him. And so three weeks before we were to get married, I found out my mother had surgery. I mean, I'm sorry, my mother was in need of surgery for um, for uh, really a cancer that um, we weren't aware of. So really had an unexpected journey as relates to finding out that she had a very rare cancer uh, at that point called sarcoma, um, had emergency surgery three weeks before our wedding. And I remember thinking to myself, I cannot even imagine getting married to you right now because, oh gosh, mom is, you know, fighting for her life with cancer. You know, um, my, uh, my fiance at the time, name is Brian, says, look, I've waited my whole life to marry you. I, if we have to get married in this hospital room, we're going to get married. And, um, so we ended up getting married, not in the hospital room, but pretty close at my parents' home. Um, and very private ceremony. So the big elaborate wedding that my parents had organized for us, um, we thought we would just postpone it to renew our vows, got married, very intimate ceremony at uh, my parents' home, wearing my mother's wedding dress, um, and not realizing that the day that he and I got married, we would only be 86 days away from his death. And he died. Um, His story made news, which is another dynamic, because it was a very unique death. My uh, late husband was uh, accidentally 
uh, shot by his friend and business partner. He, they didn't realize the gun was fully loaded. They were doing this practice run. If someone were to break into the store, what will we do kind of thing? And he didn't realize the gun was fully loaded and um, unfortunately shot my late husband in the face and he died instantly at the store. Um, and so at 25 years old, I found myself having a status that my friend's parents didn't have at that time, meaning widow, and navigating this new dynamic of having a, a, a college sweetheart and planning our futures together and now finding myself planning a funeral and then making this transition as it relates to life as as a widow. Um, and so, yeah, it's an incredible story when I think back about it. And even when I still continue to process it, because it was a combination of so many different things. It was a combination of of uh, my mother being diagnosed with cancer so early on um, and, you know, prior to our, our, our wedding. And then on top of, you know, um, the loss, the loss of a spouse at, at 25 years of age. Yeah, that's very young. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you so much, Danielle. Yeah, it's it's, it's actually it's one of the reasons why I see time differently. It's one of the reasons why I see experiences differently. It really kind of shaped the way I looked at things. It shaped the way I um, treated people in my life because the day that he died, my mother was going through her first chemo treatment. And so here's my mother going through her first chemo treatment. And then that day that he died, I was at the TV station and I was getting ready for our launch because it was a new 24 hour news station starting in Philadelphia. And I remember getting so busy that day. I didn't call my mother to check in on her. I didn't call him that day. You know, um, I remember leaving early that morning um, and, you know, heading off to Philadelphia and and I and I look back on it and I and it made me reevaluate time and making sure you let people know how important they are. Mm-hmm. So now, because of that experience over 20 years ago, right, it's important for me to also make sure that people know how important they are to me. It's important for me to make sure that people understand how much I am grateful for them. I am have an amazing fiance who is an incredible person and an incredible man and just a phenomenal human. And there isn't an opportunity where I miss making sure he knows how much he means to me, how much I love him. And that experience back when I was 25 has really put me in a position of valuing time, valuing purpose and treasuring people. So if there's one thing that we're already taking away from this conversation today is there is somebody out there that as listeners, you're thinking of, and you know who that person is. And when this episode is done, it is a matter of calling that person and reminding them how much they mean to you and that you care about them because time, it can happen in an instant and you never know when that is going to be. And so it's about cherishing every minute that you have. Absolutely. So true. So well said. It's it. you just we never know. And that's the beauty of living in the present and treasuring the people that we love and letting them know. Right. Mm-hmm. Letting them know how much we love and we cherish them. Yeah. 
Well, you, you are an assistant professor and you've got your PhD and you are this happiness expert, (laughs) happiness expert. So really going from a very tragic situation and shaping you into who you are today, which is looking at life from a different perspective, a different lens. And so in your workshops, you teach how to make your job a calling and value the importance of purpose in your career. Will you please elaborate on what it means to make your job, your calling, and your purpose? Absolutely. So when I was working on my PhD at the University of Florida, um, and my department uh, it was uh, College of Journalism and Communication. And so when I was looking to really kind of fine-tune some of my research and studies, I stumbled on, literally stumbled on positive psychology. And then I just felt like this, this, this is, this is my place. This is home. And so I started to dive in deeper and deeper to make a long story short, found one of the leading scholars in positive psychology uh, at the University of Florida. And yeah, his name is Dr. Ryan Duffy, and he served as my mentor and a member of my dissertation committee. And he um, teaches positive psychology at the University of Florida, um, also has a great TED talk by by the way. And he also has written the book, Make Your Job a Calling. He's one of the leading scholars in meaningful work. And what I love so much in terms of all that I learned from him, and then also what I learned as it relates to my own journey throughout the process of, of, the, uh, the, of the PhD, was really valuing um, having the value of a calling being almost a transcendent summons, something that's bigger than yourself, right? Um, The difference between a job, your career, and a calling, right? Because, you know, your job may be something that you're doing. Your career is something that you're, uh, you're leveraging in terms of maybe in terms of, you know, social or um, you know, uh, you know, capital in terms of your, you know, your, your background and in terms of what you're trying to share into the world in terms of your expertise. But your calling is something that can be, you know, is greater than yourself that you feel. Your calling could also be a combination of, of the work that you're doing within your industry and then maybe work that you're doing outside of it right? It's something that you feel called to do. Now, for me, my calling blends. <laughs> it is a combination of, of what the work that I'm doing in the classroom. It's the work that I do as a scholar. It's the work that I do as an expert sharing information with journalists all over the world and executives all over the world in terms of training them as it relates to how they can leverage positive psychology in terms of workplace well-being. But it can also be, you know, um, thinking about what it looks like on a part-time level. It can be, maybe it's a work that you're doing. I I have a dear friend who, you know, loves her work that she does within her church, Um, you know, but yet I have another dear friend who ironically enough will be on my podcast uh, coming up this week on Courting Happiness, talking about um, the value of our self-care squad that we have with each other. Uh, And she's a communications and public relations uh, executive. And she talks about how, you know, the work that she does and also other work that she's doing outside of that, that she feels called to do. And so 
there's so many different dynamics as relates to calling. It can be in terms of the work that you're doing within an organization, or it can be the work that you're doing, you know, in terms of the volunteer work or your nonprofit work or your work that you feel that is so mission driven that you feel has given you just really a greater, a greater sense of purpose. Um, but for me, I will say, I feel like that my calling is something that I, that has completely embodied me in terms of the work that I do at the university and then also the work that I do as it relates to my public scholarship. So what I'm hearing, and this is a new perspective that I've really gained over the past year. When I was in corporate America, it was, that was my job. That was my career. This is what I was doing. And I really wasn't exposed to the different ways that my, the legacy that I want to leave is making an impact and making an impact, a positive impact on somebody's life or multiple people's lives. And I wasn't truly maybe aware or exposed to the different ways that we can go beyond our immediate role to make an impact. And so some of the things that listeners, if you're listening right now and you're going, how do I do this? One of the things that I've been getting involved in this past year is I'm now sitting on the advisory board for the Dallas professional women and every month, bunch of the advisories and I we coach and support women and are an advocate for women having a thriving career and how to have balance in their lives. And they ask us questions and we help, you know, respond to them and guide. And you can sit on a variety of boards and committees that are out there. So like you said, you can make an impact in your immediate role and the people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis, but you can also step out and up above and beyond that and join boards, be on podcasts, write a book, whatever it is. There's so many different things that you can do. So to really explore beyond that, um, getting involved in local organizations as well. There, there's a different ways that you can really find your purpose and find what excites you. And there's organizations and committees that you can get involved in. Absolutely. And it's interesting you say that because my, my fiance is um, a, a reporter. He's a television reporter here in the Charlotte market here in the United States. And, um, and I should say the Charlotte market in North Carolina here in the United States. And it's interesting because he has been um, a reporter for over 20 years. And what's so wonderful is that he also values being able to, you know, share information, help the next generation of journalists. And so he serves on a board um, for a, a, a national journalism organization that we're both uh, a part of is actually where we met, uh, how we met, I should say. And what's wonderful is the fact that he, he's a person that loves the work that he does as relates to sharing stories and being able to provide information uh, for the community, right? But then he also is able to really continue to build off his calling with the work that he's doing as a board member, helping the next generation of journalists or helping reporters as relates to their advocacy in, in terms of serving, you know, as a champion for them or a mentor for them. And so you're absolutely right. It's You can take your work and it can be something that you can find yourself doing internally within your organization, or you can find yourself joining, as I mentioned with him, you know, a professional organization that you really value, that you're actively serving, that really serves, is serving the world, but it's also serving your soul. 
right? Because when we, when we give back to individuals and when we're operating on this level of, of real true giving, it allows us to serve our soul in regards to being able to share, provide, and really be able to enrich someone's life. So, so I love that you, you're, you're talking about the amazing work that, that you've done, Danielle, and really how we can all be inspired to really think about what speaks to our soul to be able to help others too. And I'm thinking too, there was actually a woman that had reached out to me on LinkedIn and she ended up bringing me into her organization to do a speaking engagement. But this was an individual who was an individual contributor, not in a leadership type role, but she stepped up as a leader and created this women in leadership group in her company. And so it's, and keeping in mind for you listeners, what you may see as being something that sometimes we forget what our strengths are. Sometimes we forget what comes naturally to us may not come natural to other people. And it's a matter of you just stepping up and raising your hand and saying, Hey, I think there's this opportunity to create this group or mentorship program within our organization or step out and be involved in the community. But there's so many different ways that we can make an impact. And it's very fulfilling when you get to share your expertise and and help the, like you said, the, the up and coming generation and guiding them and mentoring them and setting them up for success. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. We'll be right back to today's episode. As a working mom, wife, and mother to twin thrill-seeking boys, I know firsthand what it feels like to be burnt out and feel overwhelmed. I had a hard time shutting my brain off at night, and during the day, I was exhausted. That's why I shifted my lifestyle and started utilizing ketones into my daily routine. What I love most is that this is a drink versus a diet. Being a working mom, I wanted to find a solution that was simplistic to follow, yet very effective. The benefits I found was increased energy, improved focus, mental clarity, better mood and sleep, and eliminated the cravings for carbs and sugars. Ultimately, fat loss. Start your 10-day challenge by going to dreamjob.challenge.com. You can also find the link in today's show notes and start with a savings of $31 off. Now back to today's episode. So how can we apply you being this positivity expert, which I'm just, I love this. Um, so how can we apply positive psychology to our everyday lives? Well, you know, I'm so glad you asked that question. And, um, and I, I will say being a happiness scholar, one of the things that I love is being a part of the positive psychology movement, because positive psychology is all about the scientific study of how we really flourish as human beings or organizations. So for years, psychology will focus in on what's wrong with us. The beauty of positive psychology, it focuses on what's right with us, what works, what, how do we go about improving our, our lives or creating happier lives or fulfilling lives or more meaningful work or whatever the case may be. And so I love being a part of positive psychology because it's also about sharing science with the world. And I think it's important to be able to share that because I think it's also a value of thinking about 
information that is evidence-based that, you know, that has really been through understanding levels of research, but then also valuing the narratives or the stories of individuals that are really have been touched by it and have really been able to grow and to flourish. Um, so I, so I love being able to share with individuals how to go about leveraging positive psychology. First, I've always shared, I share with individuals with is thinking about what positive activities they love. So, you know, like what increases like my positive emotions, right? Because this is great in terms of, you know, thinking about what brings you joy, what makes you happier, what experiences make you happier, right? Um, uh, for my fiance and I, uh, <laughs> we're, we're a unique couple because of our background in journalism. Like we enjoy going out and, you know, recording or shooting, you know, um, stories or going out and, and, um, you know, looking at uh, different places in terms of being able to have adventures there. And so we, we love being able to archive moments and then we love being able to find new places. Um, one of the things that we missed during the pandemic was our travel. So oh, what gosh, is something? Yes. Yeah, is it true? <laughs> it's like, oh, I miss traveling. Traveling from living out of a suitcase every week to it being nice to be home and sitting in my own bed. But then I also miss going on adventures. Yes, because traveling was, you know, such an adventure. At one point, Danielle, we would probably before the pandemic. We were traveling like every weekend, either flying somewhere or doing a car trip or, you know, going to a different journalist uh, event or, you know, the work that he's doing as a board member or it could be, you know, uh, the work that I'm doing in, in terms of my, you know, speaking. And so we would often hit the road. So that's something that we love doing. We are the couple that just loves being in the car or loves being on the plane or loves going and walking around a city and, and being so adventurous and then enjoying those moments with each other. So what the, what do, do those positive activities mean to you? So what are positive activities that speak to you in terms of either individually, um, as a collective? Uh, as partners, right? Because it could be, as I just mentioned, um, as it relates to um, my fiance, Ken. And so also think about what else is something that maybe you haven't had a chance to do in some time that you find meaningful. You know, what is, you know, uh, it, we just talked about travel, right? But um, I will tell you that I haven't I, this used to be my thing before the pandemic. And I look at my nails and I go, oh gosh, I miss my nail guy. So what is, <laughs> oh, I just, I just miss him. I can't wait in a couple of months. I'm, I think I, I, I will, I will actually head back to the nail salon. But what is, what is that thing that, it, that feels that you are taking care of you? What is that place that you feel that it is replenishing you? I have a dear friend right now who has gone and booked herself at this beautiful retreat for the next couple of days. So she can think about really resting, recharging and relaxing. So what is it for you? Like for me, it was every, I guess it was, I haven't done it in so long. I think it was every two to three weeks, I would be in a nail salon, you know, or, you know, going to the spa, things that I have not done during the pandemic. But now you might begin to think about what things that you can do, right? 
And another thing is looking at positive emotions in regards to activities that will serve you that also speak to the science of of, um, positive psychology. One of them that I talk about very often, it's gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I will say this before Danielle and I started talking, I, we had a wonderful conversation. We could have literally recorded the conversation we had just talking before the podcast. And I, but I, I sat there in such gratitude because I go, wow, I am so grateful that I have met this incredible woman who already, here we are, our second meeting together, is already talking about how she wants me to take part in something. And then how how we just really connected, how I just even shared with her that I've been suffering with some health issues and I just had surgery and how welcoming she was. So to be present and to be grateful for the moment, opposed to, okay, well, she and I just had a conversation. Let me just move on by. No, it's gratitude. There's so many scientific benefits. It helps lower stress. It also helps in regards to improving our sleep. So for individuals that say, you know, I'm having trouble sleeping at night, instead of counting sheep, start counting what you're grateful for. Go back and reflect on these experiences that are positive in your life right? That allows you to really think about, you know, all of these good things that are happening to you. And, and then also giving your chance an opportunity uh, to reflect. And so one more thing I also like to share about gratitude is this. And so um, when my fiance and I were long distance, I, at one point I was working uh, at a university in Georgia and uh, we were long distance for probably about a year or so, Danielle. And um, we were probably about, I can't even remember, I think 260 miles away from each other. Yes, I counted. That's when you, that's when you know you're in love. Yeah. You, you count the miles. You're like, oh my gosh. And we were 260 miles away and we would see each other every weekend. But one of the things that I loved is that during the week when we weren't together, that my fiance did something for me that I've never saw anyone do although it was an activity that I was already doing. So I have gratitude jars. And so opposed to writing in a diary or a journal, I love to write in a gratitude. I love to write it on a sheet of paper and put it in my gratitude jar. I'm a very visual person. I love it because it allows me to kind of see how much I'm grateful for. Um, And I just love being able to just to have that jar close by. He did something that was very unique. He knew that this is something I enjoy doing. He's witnessed me doing it. And so he decided to create his own gratitude jar while he was in Charlotte and I was in, in uh, Macon, Georgia. And he started to write down all of the things he was grateful for in regards to me or in regards to our relationship. And so when he gave this to me as a gift, and actually there was quite a few jars. And, and, uh, and so when we weren't together during the week, I would actually curl up on my couch and I would actually look at all of these wonderful things that he was grateful for in terms of our relationship. So there's so much value in terms of thinking about what you're grateful for, writing them down, journal, you know, diary, um, uh, my case, a gratitude jar, 
and then being able to give that as a gift to someone. And so I often give gratitude jars as gifts to friends, but I will say that there's so many benefits in terms of of the value of really being mindful in terms of gratitude, but then also really being mindful as it relates to what positive activities in your life really help increase your well-being and allow you to really have a happier life. Okay. So gratitude jar, I'm going to find a gratitude jar. And what I'm going to do (laughs) is I am going to start my morning with my boys and do something that we're grateful for and put it into the gratitude jar to make it part of this family, this family thing that we're going to start in the morning I because love I love it. your idea. I love I your love idea. That. I love, and it's so interesting. You said that I have a dear friend of mine mm-hmm. who is, it's a family activity, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and what she loves to do with the end of the year. So during like, um, you know, new year's, and we're, we're about to think about the following year. What she does is that they spent the night, they, they spent an evening as a family reflecting she and her husband and their two boys. And so I think it's a wonderful, I love that you mentioned being so inclusive and having it as a collective because it's such a wonderful experience of being able to be present and to really value the things that have really served us or that we're grateful for but it allows us to see the good in our life. And that's the beauty of gratitude. It really allows us to see and experience and also to savor the good in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's such a great reminder to really take a step back and look at where we've come from and where we're at today and to be grateful for some of the things, even some of the biggest challenges that have happened in our life because it shaped us into who we are today. And, and also looking around at just the the little things I, I lay down in my bed often and go, I'm so grateful for the house that I had because I grew up in a very, I was a two bedroom apartment. My mom was a single mom and my bed was in the living room. And so to be in a situation where I own a home, to be in a situation where I have a place to call home, it's something that I never really grew up with nor imagined. And so it's something I'm always grateful for. And sometimes we for just forget where our life has come and where it's at today and just to be remind ourselves because gratitude is definitely starting that day with, with positivity. Absolutely. And I love that you have spent time honoring you know, your, your journey. Because I think sometimes when we go through life and we're high achievers and we've achieved so much, we could often go to the next thing. But it's great to be able to honor how much and how far you've grown, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I love so much about gratitude, and I love so much of what you just shared in terms of your journey, it allows you to really appreciate all of your achievements, all that you've learned. And I love to say this. I know sometimes we may say going through. I love saying growing through the things that we've grown through our lives and that we continue to learn that really allows us to really have a final appreciation of the people or the things around us. And then also giving us a chance to really reflect and to really be grateful for the goodness in our lives. It's interesting you said that growing that growing because I was working on a post last night and it was 
there have been so many times in my earlier years where I'd say, why does this keep happening? You know, why are these negative things keep happening to my life? And it's not until making that shift of going, well, how is this shaping me into the person that I get to be? Mm, I love that. There's reasons why things happen as difficult as they may be as challenging as they may be. They shape us into who we are. They shape us into who we're meant to be. And they, if I didn't go through, or if we didn't go through some of the challenges that we've gone through in life, how would we be able to make the impact that we do now? You are able to go through becoming a widow, which is devastating. And to then be able to be that support system for other widows out there and to be that advocate for them and to be that shoulder to cry on and, and everything that you get to be for them. But not to say that we, you know, obviously we want the people that are in our lives. We didn't want to lose them, but there's always something in changing the mind that we are changing the way that we look at things. Absolutely. I love that what you shared, because it's so important to be able to really, um, shift the way we see things, right? Um, As you mentioned, in terms of, you know, being a widow, and that really just shifted my whole mindset in regards to how I value time and how I value people, as I mentioned earlier. And, And it also allowed me to value when the goodness is in my life. So it's interesting because when when you tell people you're a happiness scholar, guys, people are like, what? You're a happiness scholar? And some people are like, wow, you're a happiness scholar. Some people are like, oh my goodness, she's a happiness scholar. Like I have a, I've had a range, <laughs> I've had a range of how how someone will respond to that. And some people assume because I am a, I you know, my area is in this, and uh, you know, and and I focus on workplace well being and, um that they assume that I am happy 24 hours a day. And I'm like, no, I'm not happy 24 hours a day. But the value is when I do go through negative emotions or I have adversity or some type of hardship, it makes me value the beauty when I have a good day or when I meet great people or when I have wonderful experiences. But if I thought that when I have bad days, if I allow my bad days to continue to kind of shape my perspective, it's interesting. I remember when um, I remember when my late husband passed and I remember being at the funeral, I could literally write a, bo- a, a book on the darndest things I've heard at the funeral because oh, it was, <laughs> gosh, yes. I, 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 I can just like the, so many different, like some people, of course, everyone, the intention is not to harm, right? It's a funeral. And most of us don't know what to say when someone passes away. Mm-hmm. But I remember a young woman who really didn't know me. Um, and I remember she walked up to me and said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry about the loss. I'm so sorry that you lost Brian. Um, I hope this doesn't make you bitter. And I, and I remember that statement years ago. And, and now as a happiness scholar, and as a person that's really done the work, you know, because one of the things that I treasured even back then was um, having a therapist uh, in my life that really helped me through my journey. And it's interesting that this young woman said, I hope it doesn't make you bitter. And I always thought, wow, but I'm not a bitter person. 
But it was also some projection. It makes me wonder about maybe how she processed because what it didn't do, it didn't make me bitter. It made me better. The loss made me a better human being. The loss made me a better friend to all. The loss made me really value all that I have opposed to thinking about all that was missing. Did I grieve? Yes. Grieving, you know, is, 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 a, is, it is, it is real and it is, it is a roller coaster. But what it allowed me to do, it allowed me to have this finer appreciation of life. So mm-hmm. much so that almost 20 years after it happened, the day that my mother ended up dying, because my mother died in 2016, she lost her battle with cancer in 2016. My late husband died in 1999, right? So here I am literally at my mother's deathbed. And because of all of these experiences, I could treasure being there. I could treasure being able to say goodbye to her. I could treasure being able to make her laugh because I was a comedian a little bit when she was, when she was <laughs> just, just to make her smile, right? Because yeah. I love seeing her smile. And I just treasured being present, just being there where sometimes we didn't say anything. But I think if I didn't have those other experiences that had me evolve to be a better human, that no, it didn't make me bitter, but it certainly made me better. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining today. There's, I mean, I could, we talked before getting on the podcast. I could talk, (laughs) I could talk to you for hours. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I know that our listeners are going to take away a lot from here. And as we said earlier, there is somebody out there that you are thinking of. And after this episode, call them, text them, whatever it's going to take to just Remind them what they mean to you and how you care about them. And I will go ahead and find a gratitude jar. I will put a link. Um, Amazon, everyone knows Amazon is my favorite. So um, I will put a link to the Amazon link in the show notes. So actually, you guys have something readiness. Oh, actually, Danielle, I am so sorry to interrupt, but actually yeah. I have some gratitude jars that actually gratitude jars to say mm-hmm. that you can find on my website. So feel oh. free. I will include the link in the show notes. <laughs> Thank you so much for interrupting. But I love giving as gifts to friends. So yep. certainly I, I, I welcome your community to, to, uh, to certainly uh, to take a look and in anything that I can do to, to serve, please, please let me know. So I'm so sorry to interrupt because. Nope. I'm so glad you did. And I will. You are so amazing. I didn't want to. <laughs> Oh, well, the feeling is mutual. So I will include the links on where you can find Dr. Courtney. I will include the links and also where you to get her gratitude jar. And I would love to hear from you guys too. What are some of the ways post on social media, spread the word of what a gratitude jar and how it, what it does for you and providing happiness in your life. And always ask you to please write a review on this podcast. It really means a lot. It helps um, show this episode and this podcast to other women out there who are looking to have a thriving career and abundant life. So thank you for joining and create an intentional day. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Grit Podcast with Danielle Cobo. If you found today's episode resonating and inspiring, kindly take a moment to craft a review. Your review holds the potential for Apple and Spotify 
to share the Unstoppable Grit podcast with others. Furthermore, consider extending the ripple effect by sharing this episode with those around you, family, friends, colleagues, and anyone who could benefit from the insights and stories shared here. Also, be sure to visit daniellecobo.com for more resources on cultivating resilience and unleashing your inner grit. We'll be back soon with another empowering episode. Until then, be unstoppable.